Shut up and sit down. By all means, go for it. Have fun. Just leave me alone. People are coming together more and more and more and more as the government has been failing us more and more. I'm against being shitty to people. You can't research your way into understanding somebody. One way or another, I'd rather have the fight now. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Fight for Liberty Live. We have an awesome show for you guys tonight. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about some sponsors, some other stuff. Uh, first and foremost, if you're watching this episode on one of those big tech media giant bullshit companies like Facebook or YouTube, I know I still stream to both of those platforms, but go to odyssey.com slash at fight for liberty and you can watch this stream as well as anything else that I've done uh, is all over there. So go watch it over there. Go give them th your business. They're an awesome liberty-minded organization. And I'm excited to finally be on there and streaming on there and have everything ready to go. So go leave this stream. Go to Odyssey. Start watching it there. You might miss the next 10 seconds. It's fine. Uh, next up on the agenda, Nug of Knowledge. We talk about this every episode, but I cannot push these guys hard enough. They're an awesome organization founded by some really great libertarians that uh, most of you all know and love. And so it's also a great place to get your cannabis. So get high, support the liberty movement. It's a win-win. Uh, I do it every day. You guys should too. Uh, but yeah, if you use uh, promo code F4L, you're going to get 10% off your first purchase. Uh, you're going to help out free speech media. You're going to help out fight for liberty. And you're going to help out Nug of Knowledge. So it's just all around a good idea. And if you need one more selling point, 10% of every purchase that you make at Nug of Knowledge goes to ending the war on drugs. It's either going to normal, um, uh, shoot, whatever, legalized happiness, and then there's a third organization that I cannot remember right now, um, but they give 10% of every purchase to one of those organizations that's helping end the war on drugs. So go give them your business. They're awesome. Check them out. Uh, last but not least, Mr. Tom Queter. He's running or rolling for New York State Senate. Uh, and it's a really exciting campaign. And right now, if you go to my Twitter at David Fight, you can look at the pinned post and you can see that this NFT is for sale made by the wonderful and awesome Justin O'Donnell. Uh, so go check that out. You can buy that NFT and uh, and support the campaign. But without further ado, uh, I've got a really awesome show for you guys tonight. The one, the only Mr. Jeremy Coffin is on the fight. Hello, sir. Hey, it's great to be here with you, David. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Um, so I, I always start off with kind of a, an intro uh, question of your testimony. So I'm curious, uh, when when did you self-identify first as a libertarian or liberty-minded? Uh, liberty-minded would have been pretty pretty young. I mean, I started like questioning the status quo at a pretty young age, and then that like I was kind of you know oscillated between where where that put me. You know, but I found a number, uh, you know, a number of different ideas interesting. But, you know, like I read, I definitely read like Ayn Rand when I was, you know, a teenager and I was reading, uh, I read like Milton Friedman when I was really young, actually, and thought that was okay. really good. So, you know, I was, I was definitely exposed to the ideas when I was, when I was pretty young and found them interesting from a pretty young age. That's, that's interesting. I feel like uh, it's fairly rare to, to see someone that actually i mean a reads that those kinds of books in general but uh got into the liberty side of those those thick books at a young age well i was a, I mean, I was a big i was a big nerdy kid you know like i mean i ended up starting a tech company so it's like not that surprising that i was a nerdy kid probably Fair. um but you know i read uh I, it wasn't just like libertarian stuff though like i remember reading like howard zinn you know which is um mm. uh, pretty lefty again i guess it's like libertarian left you could maybe argue but um you know i remember reading that when I, it was like basically like i was on the internet right i was on the internet from a young age and the internet would like tell me things people on the internet would tell me things that my teachers weren't telling me you know like your teachers are lying to you you know like on like web forums or like various places on the internet you know and so i would start that people would tell me hey you should you, you know, don't listen to your history teacher you know go read this book or whatever you know. mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that was I, I'm I'm really glad that I was homeschooled and got to avoid some of the brainwashing. But 
it's still the same history books, right? You know, it was it was like a Christian curriculum, and so it was spun a little bit differently than some like science and, and obviously science because like my entire K through twelve was creationism, so that was kind of interesting, <laughs> like going out into the rest of the world and just having no concept of of really evolution or, or what it is other than, you know, my Sunday school teachers shitting on it. Uh, but the history, it's just as bullshit. The only difference was that the curriculum was written in the South. So it took a slightly different look on the civil war, but still, you know, we won the U S one, like, it, and you know, no move bombing, no Tuskegee experiments, no Tulsa race massacre, none of that stuff. Yeah. Well, I've got, I said, I've gotten like even more skeptical as I've gotten older because I look at the way the sort of like, whatever you want to call it, like the truth, truth making apparatus of the modern world, you know, sort of how what's regarded as true, you know, what gets repeated as true. And so now, you know, if I look at like what would be regarded as consensus today, well, what's history, but like the consensus of the past, you know? So it's like, it certainly makes me wonder, you know, I think like, to me, it's like, you, I, I've, I've reached a state of like, you know, extreme skepticism about not that anything particular is false, right? I'm not saying like, everything you've been taught in history is a liar. I'm not even, I'm not making any claim like that, but just in the sense mm -hmm. that like, well, if in, if, if, in, if in your current world, you've seen things be so crazy, so many things that, you know, appear false to you being readily adopted, you know, why would the past have been, been particularly different? Right. You know, I think is a, is a question to be asking. Yeah. The only white pill that I've had lately uh, in that regard was I was uh, I was hanging out with uh, this girl that I was seeing at the time's family and I was helping her little sister with her history homework and she's in like she's in like sixth grade or seventh grade at the time and she was learning about 9/11 at like that was the part of her history textbook that she was at which in and of itself was kind of a slap in the face that like she's learning what I lived through in history class <laughs> but also uh, like what was in that textbook was different than the consensus of like of the time and that like super mainstream narrative that we got fed there at the beginning uh, that most adults still believe because they haven't like really looked into it or care about it. Like it was in her textbook that like Bush knew about it before it happened that like, the that issues, yeah, Actually, like, wow. like the whole like person interrupting him at the book reading at the library, like three hours before the first plane hit. And like, that's in like all these conspiracy theory videos that's in her textbook. And I was like, all right. I mean, at least they're being more honest than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't even know about, I, I don't even know about some of these and I'm not, I'm not suggesting even necessarily like, can, you know, just even that, that like conspiratorial type, I'm not, I'm not reaching for like anything in, in particular. I just think that it's, you know, it's, it's sort of human nature to, you know, to mislead ourselves and the victors write history and they come up with more, you know, altruistic and positive interpretations of, you know, whatever, um, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever has happened. I'm, you've got me curious now. I want to see how they, how they talk about the, you know, the Iraq war. I mean, certainly from my perspective, like one of the most, uh, your biggest waste of lives and money and resources mm -hmm. and, and just a terrible travesty, you know, that, that produced basically nothing. Um, yeah. But I'm like, I can't believe the textbooks would actually teach that. Stuff. Like, yeah. Oh. I, I don't think yeah. that it looked quite that way on, on the war, but I mean, I guess that that's one advantage of the like quote unquote left uh, takeover of education is that, you know, it, a lot of this was started with Bush and can kind of be pinned on Bush as as a right winger and as a Republican. And it, it kind of helps them to actually be like, yeah, Bush tricked us into this horrible war and then Biden got us out. Yay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And he did. And I will say, like, I think, uh, I think Biden deserves credit for, um, mm -hmm. for doing that. Um, but about the only thing he deserves credit for, but he, he did. And as far as I can tell, I don't know. I mean, feel free to tell if I got fake news. I'm not always like keeping up. Uh, but my impression is that we, we were, we did have more soldiers and troops abroad and now we have less. And mm -hmm. you know, that is, that is a positive thing. Yeah. I mean, credit where credit's due. He's done like a half a good thing. And yeah. you know, same with, same with like DeSantis. He did like half a good thing down there in, uh, in Florida and, you know, kind of sort of didn't go as tyrannical as maybe he could have and like deserves credit. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I'm yeah, well, people, Need an yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was, I'm just, I was gonna pivot, but um, because I've been, I've been into crypto for a while, 
and it's definitely gotten away from me in the last like two years, but I feel like I still mostly understand what's going on in that world. Uh, blockchain as a function has eluded me and confused me since I first heard the term in like early 2018, and I still don't really understand it. So maybe for the viewers that are a little bit more like me, you explain what blockchain is before we get into like how library uses it. Sure. Crypto, assuming we mean cryptocurrency, is mm -hmm. a technology that's that's powered by blockchain. When I say blockchain, I mean public blockchains. I won't get into the difference, but just like for anyone who cares. When I talk about blockchain, I mean public blockchains. Um, I'm not going to keep saying the word public. But basically, um, it's a new, like, honestly, this is going to be a boring explanation, but I think it's the most accurate one. Like a blockchain is a new type of database. And if a database is a word that you don't like, a database is like a fancy spreadsheet. It stores information that you can look up later. Uh, and what a blockchain does that's really novel, and we don't need to get into how it does this unless you want me to, but what a blockchain does that's novel is it lets you agree on what's in the database without putting one party in charge of the database, right? And so it's like, Facebook uses databases to power Facebook.com. Facebook owns all those. Facebook decides, you know, when someone goes to look up your name, you know, what what the age is returned and all this other stuff is, right? That's all in Facebook's database. So what blockchain lets us do is it lets us have databases um, without uh, having person on them. We have to give up a lot to get that. They're slower. They're more expensive to use. They have this thing called transaction fees. That's where you're paying essentially the, the people to, to, to do these transactions for you. So there's a lot of downsides, but what it lets us do is it, it, it's really powerful. Um, and it lets us the most sort of, to me, the most basic application of what you can do with this is you have money, right? There are, uh, or, or things that are money-like. You can debate what money is. So. <laughs> uh, yeah. so that's what Bitcoin is. Bitcoin, and so Bitcoin is a blockchain. It's the world's, it's very simple. It's very elegant. Now, Bitcoin's beautiful. I'm not trying to dag, when I, by the way, to me, simple as a technical person is a compliment. I'm a big fan of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. But uh, the, you know, it's a database and all it has is, it has account numbers and it has how much Bitcoin is in that account number. Account number being a address, right? Um, that's all it is. And, and you can issue commands to move a, a coin. You can say, de de delete this many from my balance and move them into this other one. And you can create new addresses, right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's basically it. That's all you can do. That's the entire system. I mean, I maybe left a couple of bits out, but that's like basically the entire system. Um, but you can take the properties of that system. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. So if you look at something like a, a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization, that says, well, let's use the fact that we can have a database and use it to maintain um, corporate transactions. Who has how much stock and, 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 and actually perform spending from our, mm -hmm. our corporate treasury? Um, if you look at, um, you know, well, what's another, what's another big application? I mean, I'll talk about ours, right? So ours is saying we can yep. use that database to store, uh, identities and to store information that exists. So we take the library blockchain, uh, people can create channels, can create identities on there. They can publish information. Um, so, you know, there's now millions of identities on the library blockchain, tens of millions of pieces of content, uh, from really big creators. A lot of them don't even know they're necessarily using a blockchain. Uh, <laughs> we try to make it as easy for people to use as possible through Odyssey. So like, you know, my mom can use Odyssey. She has no idea. She know, doesn't really know what a blockchain is, you know. Mm -hmm. So Odyssey is uh, odyssey.com, O-D-Y-S-E.com. Hopefully people are watching this there. Um, yeah, that's just like an easy to use website. But part of uh, that's, that's better policy than YouTube, more fun, et cetera. But part of what makes the whole thing definitely interesting is, is this blockchain aspect where you now, you know, on every other site, you know, we just saw Getter launch. People post things, they get deleted. You know, it's like the the trusting someone else to protect your free speech or whatever. You know, I think that's foolish when we now have tech you can own your handle. Mm -hmm. So if I follow you, that's a direct connection. The same way that if I send you Bitcoin, right? You know, so in other words, like no one can get in the middle of that. No one can say, you know what. David's not following Jeremy anymore because I don't like what Jeremy had to say. In fact, Jeremy's not even allowed to talk. You know, mm -hmm. that, all that stuff is impossible um, with this design. Uh, and so it's definitely a, a pretty exciting uh, evolution of what's came before. I think you brought you bring up a really important distinction there between Odyssey and things like Getter and some of the other things that have come before where it's it's not just that you guys are so free speech that you're to promise prinky pinky promise you're not going to take stuff down it's like you built a system where you can't 
you functionally can't do the the terrible things that YouTube does, and you built an entire system around that. And I think that that speaks a lot to, like, you know, it's not just right. going to end up being bullshit like Getter was. Yeah, which is which is also that I think it's the only way that can even work. I think there are sites out there right now that are centralized that have better policy than than some of the the big tech sites, but. That like part of it is I think part of the reason big tech plays the way out the way that it does is it's a result of natural incentives. Um, I mean, just because you can look at how it's played out repeatedly on like every one, right? Like right. their policies were all better before. Every great big tech site starts open and open APIs and just embed our stuff and you know build alternative clients uh, and you can, anything and it's they're much more free. You know, like Reddit, Twitter. Um, Facebook, you know, they all went through the same, not literally the same, but approximately the same set of steps where they were much better. Even Google, right? Google was mm -hmm. much better. Google was a much better company a decade ago than they are today. And, and I think that so like, even if a company is very good today, it's like, well, we've seen repeatedly whatever these incentives are, I don't even need to name exactly what they are, how things play out this way. Like there's clearly like, we see this play out repeatedly. There's not a company mm -hmm. you can point to where it's like, oh, well, they've been good for 30 years, right? So even if some new companies, well, we've seen companies be good in the past, they get big enough, whether it's the ad money or other things, who knows, um, uh, whatever those corrupting incentives or corrupting pressures are, you know? And so in our case, everything we're we've done is open source, Odyssey does set its own rules. So Odyssey sets rules just like Twitter does, just like these other things do. But what's different about that, just like YouTube does, um, what's different about it is, well, one, the rules are better, but the real part is that the, the, you know everything is open source, everything is decentralized. So like if Odyssey ever becomes a real jerk and someone wants to start odyssey2.com, you know, there's not that same set of hurdles where you have to start over from scratch. People can take their following. You, you can effectively, all of your settings, all of your everything can go into two alternative mm -hmm. um, alternative ones. The, the closest thing, you know, I mean, I think like this isn't the sexiest comparison, but one of the systems that's held up the best is email. Um, you know, email, it's, it's certainly gotten less popular, but uh, like mm -hmm. it never... It never got corrupted. You never hear people talk, worry about I'm going to get kicked off my email. Hmm. You know, um, and so I think that's part of the reason email has held up is because it is it's this open source type approach. It's more decentralized in the sense that you know, you can be on Outlook and I can be on Proton Mail or whatever, and they can all communicate. Um, so I think like that's definitely why we're trying to take content publishing. Bitcoin has these properties as well. I'm not trapped in Coinbase. I can use a service to sign up. I take my Bitcoin with me. I leave. I'm still part of the network. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what we're trying to do is turn turn video sharing or even content, digital content sharing more generally into systems that have these uh, properties. Mm. So what's the like pettiest thing that you disliked about previous systems that you changed when when Odyssey when you helped build Odyssey? Oh, uh, you know this is this is, well. So I wouldn't say that this is like petty. So maybe I would avoid the answer. But what jumped into my head uh, is not is definitely like I don't like when I if um, I try to pay like for movies and stuff. Like I have BitTorrent, I use it sometimes, but I try to like. I feel like, you know, people put a, put a bunch of money into something like, you know, they deserve something. I don't want to like jump through too many hoops or whatever, but I, you know, I don't like, I definitely don't like how frustrating it can be where it's like, you know, something was on this site, but then it disappears or like when, um, um, you know, when uh, something's available in one country, but not another, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, this stuff like really bothers me because I feel like it denies reality of how like, you know, how information works. I'm very like reality seeking, truth seeking person, you know? And so I, I, I will, that's like a big pet peeve for me. And that's something like I want to fix. Like, you know, if you buy something on library, you own it, you don't own it on like Amazon server where what you actually own is a promise from Amazon. Like you can have the file that's yours, you know? So that, mm -hmm. that this is, so I guess this is a pet peeve in the sense that like most people don't care about this. <laughs> like this is not an animating subject for most people. Um, uh, but for me, it definitely is. I don't mm -hmm. like this idea of like, of like, um, of these things being ephemeral. I like the idea of the stronger sense of, of owning something. Yeah. And honestly, I think maybe most of the time, this isn't a very animating point, but I, I think that we all, or mo most people saw, uh, the like holiday movies 
uh, as on like Hulu and and Disney Plus and, and Netflix and those streaming services, most of them were like available until December twenty eighth or something like yeah. that. And they like and they said that across all of them. And I was like, and my family, uh, we realized that we missed a movie that we were actually kind of trying to watch. And like, I don't care that it's December fifth or January fifth. I'm still gonna watch a Christmas movie. Uh, and we went to go find it, and it wasn't there anymore because like they canned almost all of the holiday movies and on January first. And so I think it's it's like in it's in my head, at least already when you mentioned that I was like, yeah, that's really annoying. I just had that problem like two nights ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's messed up because think about like other goods, you know, they don't you're not like no pants today. You know, you know, the pants are only in jail. You know, I don't know. It's just like this. They're playing these kinds of games where it's like it's, it's available. It's not available. It's like, you know, if we had better marketing this stuff, if people actually owned the things that they bought, you know, and could resell them, you know, like a lot of ways and a lot. There definitely were some benefits of the, the, the you know, certainly the digital streaming. It's done so much in terms of things you can find. And so on. but if you look at like, you know, the DVD era or whatever, where it's like, well, I own this. You know, my, you can't reach into, uh, you can't decide that one of those characters was was problematic and cut his scene, you know, cut his line. And I go back to watch it and it's a different copy. You know, all of this stuff um, that I find like, I'm not gonna say it's like all the way to dystopian, but it definitely like irks me like, uh, you know, a little bit that, that this idea of like, that they can re, you know, just change these things whenever they want. And I'm not saying, I like the idea of art evolving. I'm not saying, you know, hey, update your film. Or I'm not even saying past things can't be problematic or whatever. But this this notion that like something can just disappear because or, or this episode was problematic. You know, we're no longer, mm -hmm. gonna, you're no longer going to be able to see the South Park episode, the future Muhammad or whatever it is, you know, and it just gets yep. memory hold. Um, I don't, that's a downside to me of, mm -hmm. of modern, uh, of modern content, you know. Yeah, it, I'm a huge like tech fan. I mean, I I was born in the late '90s, so I kind of came up with tech the the rise of like modern technology. So you know, like I still remember dial-up internet, but I didn't ever work on it or like do college yeah. on it or something like that. Um, and so I'm I'm a big fan of like the evolving of tech and everything becoming tech. And like uh, my main bank account is Cash App. Uh, I'm I'm a very like digital oriented person. Uh, but that that scares me too. Like I'm like I said, my main bank is Cash App, but I'm still I'm like really annoyingly like counterbalanced of like that, but also like cash because cash is king and like we need like physical stuff in your hand that someone can't just like shut down. I have too many friends who have had like Patreons and PayPal's and Venmos and bank accounts get shut down and done whatever because of like content that they put out or whatever other reasons. Um I don't really trust that, but also it's like one of the things I'm super passionate about. And it's a, it's a tough kind of boundary. I think blockchain and, and crypto and, and some of the other stuff that you're talking about kind of helps bridge that gap because it is more permanent, but it's still like t evolving tech at the same time. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, to me, what you just said is why it's so exciting. You know, I didn't, I didn't get into crypto to like, you know, to like get some, you know, crazy return or like, I don't just buy stuff to, you know, have the number go up. I think it's like, I and mean, it's cool if that happens, but there's no really, also there's not a really a first principles reason for that to work as well. Like even if it does work for you, like that doesn't make mm -hmm. sense. Like there's gotta be something underlying here that's of like genuine, genuinely innovative or otherwise we're just like gambling and this isn't gonna work anyway, right? So we better hope, <laughs> even if you're on that side of like, I'm just excited about my Bitcoin being worth more, like you better hope there's actually something like innovative here or it's not gonna hold up. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to me that that's what's so exciting. I think there is of course, but but the, to me what was exciting about it is, is that disintermediation aspect, this ability to have more personal control so that like, yeah, look, it's not the federal government's business, like what's being sold online. Like the fact that, you know, the, the, uh, I think the, the from a libertarian perspective, like the, the, the credit companies, MasterCard, Visa, the amount of control that they have over what can be bought and sold, which is of course, ultimately substantially driven by regulation. Um, like, I think that's one of the messed up, most messed up parts of, uh, of online stuff. I think there's all kinds of stuff that's not, um, that's not bought and sold, that where there's a lot more friction to buy and sell it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's what's exciting to me. It's like, hey, this is digital money. We can spend money online. We don't, but we don't have to worry about these other um, problems. Same thing with in a different space with what we're doing, but with publishing, you know, like, like I, you know, I'm, I'm much more excited to see 
you know, people be using my technology for its um, intended purpose, which is not just stuff that might get censored, right? Like it's just people who want more, you know, mm -hmm. who want to have more control. But I, I get excited when people are publishing content, they're excited that they own, you know, they own their identity, this kind of thing. Like, you know, I, I think that that's what's, that's what got me into it. I also think that's what will ultimately lead to success. But to me, that's what's exciting about blockchain and cryptocurrency, this fact that like, we don't have to surrender the same amount of control to intermediaries, whether those be big tech companies or governments. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that excited me when I first hopped onto Odyssey a few months back was that there was like a bunch of normie videos on there. Yeah, uh, it, it didn't give you the same feeling that like, uh, Bitshoot or 4chan or Getter or Parler or, or any of these other like alternative media companies that have come out in the last couple of years. It wasn't some like alt right like yeah, craziness. It's not. It's, it was it's not. it was like here, how, yeah. this is how you fix a cracked iPhone screen. Right. I here's a yoga video. I went for a walk in the woods today, and here's what I saw. It was just it's what YouTube used to be back when YouTube was fun and not just a bunch of like mainstream media content clipped and put onto YouTube. That that's that I mean look that's exactly right. I mean YouTube's been our number one fan. Um like sometimes I can't believe some of the things that that they're doing. But yeah, this is not you don't have to be at risk of like the idea of wanting to own your identity and not trusting Google or Facebook or whoever, like that's not you don't that's not an all right thing. You don't have to be worried about getting deleted yourself. It's not even necessarily about worrying deleted. Like the algorithms change, you get demonetized randomly, they're always changing the rules on you. You don't have the same sense of say, you don't have the same ownership, you know. And so there's there's all kinds of ways um in which, you know, I think that I think this approach is better and that and that's what activates the the people to come over if like if all you're if all you're selling on is you won't get banned over here you know like you are going to attract people who generally have a problem with getting banned mm -hmm. right um and then who you know there might be and i'm not saying that i think i'm, I'm of the opinion ban you know basically nothing but like you know like give people choices give people strong filtration controls etc like to me that's the right solution but also you know those people can be some of those people can be off-putting to other people, you know, and if you have a collection of only things that are off-putting to, 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 to others, you know, you're going to get kind of trapped in terms of where you can go as a product or as a, as a brand. And I'm not saying they even deserve that reputation. I'm like a very non-judgmental to me. I'm like, I'm like pro everything just to, for anyone. Cause I know I've come across people. I'm like pro communist, you know, I'm like pro off, right. I'm pro all of it. Like I want to, to me, libertarianism is like, well, there's a large world. Surely we can be libertarian somewhere. You know, hopefully we can respect each other. But, you know, it's like to me, like as long as you don't want like world domination of your ideology, like if you want to have a, uh, you know, very religious country, a very communist one, like whatever, um, I'm, uh, I'm friendly towards all of it. It's just not, you know, to me, it's like it's not for me. So as long as you don't want to force it on me, we're probably cool. Um, uh, oh, but yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, um, just to, yeah, that's that's sort of my you know my personal thought on all of it and so i take the same kind of approach to what we're building you know to me it's like i'm not necessarily there's it's not fair the way that some people are treated by big tech there is a slant towards certain ideologies certain you know certain kinds of things so what's what's labeled misinformation what's not even if some of the things that they label misinformation i might also think are false it's like well you can teach communism you know and you can be an enthusiastic fan of communism no state reps get you know, deplatform for calling like I can call, I can call for Amazon to be seized, you know, mm -hmm. or whatever it might be. You know, that's not uh, you know I can call for price ceilings, price floors. That is like as fake as flat flat Earth theory, you know, right? Like it's literally that fake. <laughs> okay, no one gets a fact check. You know, no one gets mm -hmm. this kind of treatment, right? So to me, I see I don't really see it as as happening fairly. I see it as happening against one one political class of people, one sort of you know, and it happens particularly to them and another class of people is doing it. And it feels very unfair to me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, and so I am I, I do like that. I you know get to kind of help fight that a little bit. Fight that a lot. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I think what we're talking about here with, you know, like the normie presence on Odyssey speaks to something that we uh, as a as a movement sometimes forget, I think. And that's that. Uh, liberty is actually pretty popular like the, the the concept of it and a lot of people act like there's a lot of people out there that 
feel like a libertarian on a day-to-day basis they just haven't done the amount of like research or give a shit on the political ideologies that we have and so they don't know the the word uh but they'll see something like odyssey and compare it with youtube and be like yeah that's the better choice i'm gonna go put my content there because i care about individual liberty and freedom they just might not say that last part but it's really true uh, and we kind of get into a defeatist mindset of like, oh, you know, we only got 2%. Like, uh, you know, we're only, you know, have X amount of followers. You know, liberty is not popular, but it actually kind of yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I agree with you, although I do want to say that, like, I don't see Odyssey specifically as like a libertarian project. I do see it as something that's like inclusive to all kinds of to non-libertarians, you know, all this, all this mm-hmm. kind of thing. I do think there are also... A lot of people, and maybe you'll say these people, they're actually libertarian, maybe they are, I don't know. But there are a lot of people who I think that, and this is uh, the people I think we figure out, they just don't care, man. They think they think a lot of what's going on is dumb. They like, or, or they're just checked out, you know? Um, and I definitely think that's part of what we're trying to tap into is like, definitely mm-hmm. not just people, not people who are necessarily libertarian, but people who are just like, dude, like we like making jokes. We think it's funny when things are made fun of. We think that like everyone's way too uptight, you know, mm-hmm. and that's people of all kinds of political persuasion. Right? Because you, I will say, like, you see it, it's not, we have, you know, we do have like people, literally communist people on the far left who are, you know, also, who do also get in trouble with bands who are advocating for things, who get fact checked or whatever it might, um, mm-hmm. you know, what it might be. Um, I think that like really anyone outside of center left, if you're center left, I think you're pretty protected. But once you, if you're left of center left, I think you also face, Mm-hmm. Uh, issues with uh can face issues with big tech oh yeah um and yeah i think those people are are kind of who i who i was was speaking of is like yeah the the kind of people who are who are checked out are mostly libertarian they just don't care enough to ever identify as one <laughs> and yeah. that they're still allies in my mind because like that's how it should be like i just read um life without principle by henry david thoreau yeah. And he there's one quote towards the end of it and I'm going to butcher it, but it's something along the lines of like uh politics is something so distasteful that I don't think I've ever given it a thought at all or something like that. As somebody who's like considered a great political theorist and author, it was just like no, politics is fucking stupid. Why why would I give a shit about politics? And it's like I think that's true libertarianism. Unfortunately, there's a bunch of us that have to give a shit about politics because there's a bunch of terrible people that give a shit about politics and we have to counterbalance them. But I would love for the majority of the world to remain mostly blue-pilled and just like kind of not give a shit and like live their lives in a free manner while we help dismantle the state and like <laughs> allow them to actually do that. I hope that people can like maintain their sanity and their livelihoods and their just their their ignorance while we do this. I because it's a terrible life once you get red pilled. It's obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah. the Matrix really did a good job of like depicting the like horrid life that it, it is once you get red pills. You're like constantly running from these uh robots and like you live in a fucking cave in the middle of nowhere. Like that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I mean I will I, I, I'm not uh pushing back too strongly. I will say sometimes that like well one, I will say if you like your state, you can keep it. That's my push. But uh the uh the um the you know, I think that to me, my sense is if the world gets crazier, sometimes I feel like it gets easier for me personally. Like I'm like, like everyone, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've talked to other people who disagree with me on this. So feel free to feel free to disagree with me as well. My feelings won't be hurt, but I'm just like, sometimes I feel like, well, people are just getting crazier. They're being more deranged. You know, like if I can't beat, if I can't beat someone this crazy at business or whatever, you know, it's like, what am I doing? If they're this crazy, you know? Um, so sometimes I do feel that way, like um, uh, that um, that that kind of, from. A, I'm not saying I like it, right? Like I'd rather the world be saner, but but that like from the sense of like my personal success, sometimes I'm like, man, people are getting so crazy that just by being like sort of sane, I'm, I'm <laughs> you know, I'm you become the genius of yeah, exactly. <laughs> the land of the yeah, the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. That that whole idea, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, that's fair. And I, I do feel like, and I, I want to talk about this a little bit. Uh, I feel like you're probably in a situation where you feel a little bit more comfortable in your liberty being up in the land of the free. Uh, 
and I'm I'm in New York. There's a whole bunch of bullshit. Uh, I love I love New New Hampshire. I spent four and a half months there uh, working on the Tulsi Gabbard campaign and absolutely loved it. Got to meet a bunch of great libertarians while I was there. Um, it the only problem, like if I'm going to move somewhere out of from my homeland, it's going to be somewhere where the air doesn't hurt my face during the winter. Yeah. <laughs> so New Hampshire doesn't solve that problem for me. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely, and I, I forget that at times, like I've built, um, I've definitely built like a nice bubble for myself, you know, like my, personal life you know, my family my my you know my colleagues are not necessarily all my colleagues are libertarians but they're at least like you know pro free speech type you know mm -hmm. um so uh yeah i definitely like i i feel like i can be pretty you know pretty honest about who i am what i believe i think i've like kind of always been that way but i've definitely sought out a life that like would let me you know let me continue to be that way mm -hmm. Yeah, it is like my my parents, especially like they're they're libertarians. They won't register L, but uh, that's fine. Uh, they voted for Johnson, uh, Larry Sharp and Joe Jorgensen. Like, so I consider that a, a win, um, but they'll still put a mask on like everywhere that they go into. If there's a sign on the door yeah. that says, please wear a mask, even though we live in a non-enforcement county where most of the places like I'll walk in behind them without a mask on. No one says anything to me, yeah. uh, but it's just there is there's a huge level of just blind compliance in my area. And I'm like upstate in like a really rural, like blood red area. Um, but it's still uh, a bunch of the covid hysteria. OK, yeah, I spent a lot of time in uh, the Albany area. Albany, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I spent a lot of time in the Albany. Oh, you're sorry. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, I'm in New Hampshire now, so I mean, you know, it's, uh, there you go. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's sometimes actually, I, I wonder about libertarians. Like if there's actually more things sort of clustered, um, you know, clustered with it. Like I definitely support being very against the, you know, the COVID regime and all that stuff. I think that stuff's like clearly anti-liberty, but like there, I do think like there's, um, you know, people have become people. Have, I do think some people have become like a bit reactionary and I'm not, I may even be in this camp, so I'm not throwing the first <laughs> stone, but I like, I get a little bit like, they're so frustrated that they're just like reflexively against, uh, you know, against anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I'm not even yeah, saying I'm probably that in that camp people, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, cause it's, I mean, you kind of have to, I mean, you feel like there is like, there is no, I mean, there's just very little space for middle ground. There's very little space for, um, you know, being someone who's more like nuanced, like to me, it's like so much of society is just like full on, you know, tribal warfare. And I'm not even against this. Like to me, like even part of the reason I like the Free Zero Project, I'm like, cool, there's a libertarian tribe. You know, they need they need one too. You know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, but I do think that's the way that it's uh, things have really gotten this way. Um, you know, where there's like there's no every everything carves you know, Democrat, Republican, or sometimes a little, sometimes libertarians are a third leg, but like they, they can't agree on anything. You know, they have to take opposite positions of one another. If one, if some, if one party sees, or one tribe sees one event taking place, one, you know, they see it the other one. Um, and so it's like this idea that, you know, we're can't observe the same reality, you know, that, that we're just mm -hmm. so far apart from one another. It's strange to me. I've never seen anything. I've never seen it be like this, you know, um, so yeah and uh you guys have legitimized bitcoin fairly heavily up there in new hampshire as well making it a lot more realistic i feel like uh when i'm up there it, it feels more like a currency where a lot of my friends you know it's still just more of an investment and you know kind of how, how you're talking earlier uh Tell me a little bit about like how it is up there and being able to actually use it for things. Yeah, there's a lot of usage. Um, we've had various, you know, various third parties have rated New Hampshire as like a top state uh, for uh, cryptocurrency. I know multiple people who like live off of cryptocurrency. Like they specifically, they don't use the banks. They use cryptocurrency for for everything. Mm -hmm. um, certainly among free staters, it's very normal to be like, hey, can you pay in Bitcoin or whatever? um and and like there's 
there's networks. There's a lot of agorism up here. Um, you have people who are doing, you know, whether that's like they're farming and they're growing food or they're vending and they're selling goods or they're just doing, or they're just doing like, you know, handiwork, odd jobs, this kind of thing. There's definitely a network of people who, Hey, you know, just take cryptocurrency, you know, and people just pay for things. Um, that way, like there's market days and so on where people come and sell goods and every, basically everyone there is taking cryptocurrency. At Source themselves, you definitely see some, like there's a number of Bitcoin ATMs like here in my city, which is only city of like a little over 100,000. You know, there's multiple spots with Bitcoin ATMs. There's probably, I don't know what the current count is, maybe there's around a dozen places I could go in and, and pay with cryptocurrency. Um, certainly not, certainly far from everywhere, but definitely a decent number. And it feels like it's growing and it does feel like the ones that like some of them are like they're definitely like sticking with it like um you know i go to um free staters go out to like a bar every tuesday uh there's a and uh well in, in this city in manchester there's like a bar bar day every uh, happy hour every tuesday and like a ton of people pay with cryptocurrency there uh, a lot of the meetup spots are you know they target places that take cryptocurrency so there's there's a there's definitely a decent amount of it. It was hard, like the whole Bitcoin thing. I mean, I think things have gotten better since then. But the truth is, like Bitcoin never really succeeded in that way or had a lot of trouble. But Bitcoin got all the mind share from a cryptocurrency perspective. Deservedly so. I'm not again. I'm never trying to drag Bitcoin. I think Bitcoin's awesome. But like, um, you know, like Bitcoin as the peer to peer, you know, buy a cup of coffee. You know, maybe maybe it'll get there with lightning, but it never really delivered on that, right? Like, mm -hmm. uh, I you know that I I do want to, and and some others would. Some would say, you know, Dash or or whatever else, or you know, like a lot. So a lot of people here like Dash, but like the um, you know, whatever. I I, I want to see it succeed in that, you know, in that way. I'd rather I'd rather like cryptocurrency be normal. And my cryptocurrency be worth ten percent as much, you know, right? Because that's what's really exciting is this ability to, like, hey, you know, the 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 federal government's not gonna be able to mess with us, you know, sending money to each other. We can now mm -hmm. send cash, you know, cash money online, and that'd be really cool, you know. Instead of the payment system being used as a way to, uh, you know, enforce, you know, authority or whatever. Right. Um, so. Uh, I feel like I lost maybe my train of thought. You're saying you're asking if people use Bitcoin. I started going back to crypto. Yeah, do people use cryptocurrency up here? Yeah, the answer is yes. I'll say for anyone in the uh, New Hampshire area, uh, uh, freestatecrypto.com, uh, 500th weekly meetups. That's right. There's been a weekly Bitcoin meetup wow. going on in Manchester, New Hampshire for 500 weeks straight. Uh, you can go and look up what the That's price almost is. That's almost 10 years. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah. 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 I found an old forum thread on Bitcoin talk from like 2012. Uh, people talk about like, yeah, meet up in New Hampshire. Let's go Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, there's a lot of history up here. You never know uh, who in, in like a holy sweatshirt is actually a Bitcoin millionaire. So you got to, that's something to be careful of if you uh, come to the uh, But yeah, there's been a lot of enthusiasm in, uh, in, in Bitcoin for a long time here. Mm -hmm. Um so uh, and uh, so that event is, is going to be a fun event. I think it's twenty bucks. Um, uh, it's here in, in New Hampshire. I'll be there. A bunch of other free staters, uh, crypto people will be there. So it's a fun fun. When time. did you say that was? The first weekend in February. I think it's All February sixth. Right. All right. I might it's have to make Sunday. a trip out there. It's always been on a Sunday, uh, but it is like a big party on a Sunday night. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, Manchester was the first place that I ever saw a Bitcoin ATM in the flesh uh, at Murphy's, which I'm assuming is the bar you're talking about. Yeah, uh, well, uh, Murphy's, Murphy's, I will say, recently lost their uh, Bitcoin ATM because that was one of the Crypto Sixes. So I don't know if you saw that story. I did not. Okay, so well, so Ian Freeman and the Crypto Six are a group of free staters uh, who all got arrested by the federal government. This is much more serious. I know some people know I'm getting sued, but mine's like all civil. This is not, I'm not facing anything. Like I'm, it's fucking sucks. I'm not trying to, but like, I'm not, not going to, there's no chance I'm going to jail. So, so people being threatened with jail time is like another level. Um, and uh, so that's um, Ian Freeman. Ian's, I think, Ian and this guy, Rich Paul, are the ones I think they really want to get, but they're technically charging six more, I think, to get, some of them to talk about the other two, you know how they do that. Um, but uh, they definitely want to get uh, Ian and Ian was running all the ATMs up here. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. And he was running them through a church 
his a church that he had founded and they're you know claiming various you know money money transmission or financial you know financial crimes mm-hmm. um, so the fbi came in and they raided and t- took all those computers they took uh they t- but they took all the atms too so all the atms he had throughout the state they took them all so he was one of the he might have been the largest operator of atms in the state he certainly was would have been near the top if he wasn't and so mm-hmm. all of them got taken that's crazy. I had no idea about that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and so it's basically just because they were using Bitcoin the way it was meant to be used in evading taxes and regulations. Right? <laughs> well, no, I don't. I mean, as far as I know, like Ian tries to dot his I's and cross his T's to a, you know, he, he's not, uh, he certainly would have the moral stance that, that, that it wouldn't be wrong to, you know, to not do those things. But he also, he's a smart activist. He's been doing it for a long time, you know. Um, and so I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I haven't gone into all the, uh, uh, specifics, so I don't know, like all the details. I mean, you could, I don't know if he's allowed, I think he can do shows. So you could ask him if he wants to come on. Um, he, he, he does free talk live. He's on the radio himself quite a bit. Um, and, um, yeah, there's, there's videos about it. They have a website, the crypto Um, so if people want to learn more about the case, but there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of this. There's, you know, that's the thing is like you get all types of peers. You have obviously like the political types just want to run for office, you know, unwind the state where they can. If if it used to take, you know, 20 hours of licensing to get a barber license and we can cut it to 10, then, then we're winning, you know. And then you've got people who are like, you know, hardcore, you know, trying to avoid the, the state entirely, you know, activist, civil disobedient, all this all this side, you've got the whole, you've really got the whole spectrum. I love all of them, but I'm not, I'm not trying to make one side look bad to me. It's uh we're all big, happy family up here. I like all of them, but uh, you get, you get all the different kinds. Yeah. I, that's one of my favorite things about the movement is just the, the massive amount of diversity because there's just a huge spectrum of like, you know, I just decided that like maybe the democratic party doesn't care as much about the things that I care about as I thought they did. Uh, all the way to like, I was born on an anarchist commune and I have <laughs> never had a bank account or a social security number and the government doesn't even know I exist. <laughs> like, we have both of those, like come into a bar and have a drinks together. And it's yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> it does. It do, it can make people more libertarian. I will say I was like, I, I certainly was libertarian enough to move here. So I was pretty libertarian, but I, I it, it pushed put that being up here and probably my court case definitely help push me to be like even more so yeah uh so library came before odyssey correct yeah by by several years yeah okay so tell me about uh how the idea of library came about and then we can talk about how odyssey came about so library came about um from me learning about bitcoin and blockchain you know being entrepreneurial and technical and just kind of thinking about what else could you use this technology for? And I was always into um, just like it, freedom online, free speech online, free, you know, free ability to communicate, et cetera. And so I just couldn't stop thinking about this idea of, of using it um, to maintain this registry of content. Cause we already had technology like BitTorrent and so on that was like pretty robust, pretty censorship resistant in that way. But like, we didn't have identity coupled with it. We didn't have payments coupled with it. It never, it never, it never was used by legitimate creators either, which I always thought was kind of sad. It was a little bit. I'm not gonna say never, but like it never got, you know, um, never got all the way there. And so mm-hmm. I, I just, you know, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And once I couldn't stop thinking about it, I brought some friends into the project. Um, we put some money in and just kind of started, started hacking. Okay. Um, um, yeah, yada yada. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of steps in between. Um, but like, that really was how it started. We're like, we had an idea. We started working on the idea. Um, I mean, I'd done a startup before, so I had some idea about like, you know, mm-hmm. honestly, a lot of it's like, hey, you have an idea, you start at it, you get it out there, you you react to the things that people say about it, and uh, you don't quit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, I mean, that was we're talking about like coming up on six years or so of. Oh. Um, uh, maybe longer, honestly, um, since the like first conception of the idea, right? Who who was the first person you brought in? Um, uh, third, uh, 
I guess it would have been. Yeah, there's a guy up here. Is another free stater. His name's Jimmy. Uh, I think he was the first guy to to join. He started programming. He started. He was one of the programmers. Okay, uh, so it went straight to the the actual building. Yeah, I mean, I'm a builder. I mean, I was a coder too. Like, I mean, that's so I started, you know, we just started, started uh, building. I've also never, you know, I've, I've had like moderately successful businesses, uh, decent, but like, I've never been very good at like, I like just like selling. I've always been the kind of entrepreneur who's like, try this sandwich, you know, you'll like it. You know, I don't, I don't sell like, <laughs> I mean, free state's like a bit of selling a business, but I'm always, but it's like to me, even there, it's like, your life will be better tomorrow. Like, you don't, I don't like selling, like being too aspirational. Um, it feels like too, like fake to me. Like, cause the odds are it's, it, you know, it could be wrong or whatever. Uh, <laughs> so, but it's like, if you're just like, well, you can try this and you might like it. And if you like it, you can buy it. Like, that's like, I'm, I'm very comfortable in that space. Cause I like making things. I like the idea that I can make something that the people would want to use, mm -hmm. but I don't like, like promising that I'll make something that you'll really like like three years from now. So that whole idea of like, you know, some of the fun I've struggled with it, even as we've gotten bigger, like thankfully we've gotten big enough and successful enough that like VCs will kind of like, or whatever they'll like, you know, think they, they might think I'm a little weird or whatever, but I'm not, I'm always, I just, I, I like making things that people want to, you know, want to use. That's what it's always been about. And so um, that was the way we, we started this company as well. Yeah. I dig it. Uh, it's funny. It's funny hearing that because like I, I've spent most of my adult life in sales and marketing. Yeah, <laughs> it's like all I've done. Uh, but I, I can very much understand uh, why it feels unnatural for most people. Uh, well, I've done a lot of sales. I've done a lot mm. of sell stuff, but I'm usually like I sold some, my previous company. I sold millions of dollars worth of software, but it's just like. Well, here's the software. Do you want this? <laughs> you know, do you, I'll pitch you on it. Uh, you know, I'll 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 sell you on why it's good for you, and I'll take time to understand. You know, uh, how to persuade you or whatever that might be. But like, you know, I never I don't like. Uh, I'm not I'm not above being an aspirational, but I don't know something about like selling something that doesn't exist. I guess like mm -hmm. that, that's that's always. Uh, I'm not saying it's like immoral, by the way, or anything. It's just never. I've always like kind of shied away from it. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, uh, that's it's been kind of like a chicken and egg scenario in my head. And I have I have a lot of friends that are kind of working through the same process at the moment as we're all kind of like finding what we're passionate about. And one of the things that I was excited to have you on and talk about was kind of like the the building blocks of it, because, you know, you have this idea and then do you build it? Do you get the money for it? Do you try to promote it? Do you try to build the brand first? Do you try to build your own brand first and just get popular enough that you can just plop this idea out and it's a thing in a couple of years? Yeah. Like that was you know, from an idea. Was the yeah. Yeah, that one, I, I feel like a lot of people try that last one. Uh, even I kind of did uh, when I first started this show like a year and a half ago. Um, and, and I'm just, that's definitely, I, I can just say that that's a bad idea. Go for one of the other things I said for sure. No, I mean, getting, get that's, I think a lot of people think that, that, that starting a tech company or starting a startup is this where it's like, oh, I build the thing. And then I like market it and then it either like gets successful or it doesn't. And it's much more about like, actually like you build the thing, you like iterate on it and measure it for some period of months to years, you know, and only then maybe like the, the idea of like some people like building something and then it getting traction like right away, like that's very rare. People were excited about our idea right away, which was a positive signal in the sense that they think, oh, they liked the idea of, you know, a video on the blockchain or YouTube on the blockchain. But like we, when we started, there were probably like five or six or maybe even 10 other companies who were like, we're going to do video on the blockchain. Like we're the only ones still here. We're the only ones who did it. And some of those were more popular than we were in the sense that they had more mind share four or five years ago or three years ago or whatever it might've been. But, you know, to me, it's like, you always <laughs> focus on like, sort of like, like, like look, I, people all the hype that Getter was getting on Twitter the other day. <laughs> I'm telling you from the success of a startup, like that means nothing. Like what matters is whether they retain those people. Now it's an awesome opportunity. I bet Getter, I bet Getter had like 5 million signups yesterday or, or a million signups yesterday. I don't know how many it was. I think, I think I saw 200,000. Only 200,000. So maybe my circles were more into it. I read too much, but even still, then look, two hundred thousand signups. That's a great in a day. That's impressive. Yeah. Exciting day. Two hundred thousand people come into the door of your business, right? But like, if 
it, what it really is, is will those people come back? You know, having one day of attention around something, you know, we've had days, we had, you know, we had a day actually when we were very early in our days, there's like 2017 or 2018 where we had like, you know, maybe around a hundred thousand people come in in a, in a single day. And it's like, and like, man, a month later, they were all gone <laughs> you know? uh, because the product wasn't good enough. People were excited about the idea of the product, but the product wasn't good enough to keep them coming back, you know? And that's, that's what's ultimately going to determine success. And it takes a lot of iterations. It's very, very, very few products, even a killer product right now, something like TikTok, you know, you learn about the actual evolution of it. It was this thing by ByteDance. It started by doing this other thing. Like, you know, when you look at a lot of products, that's how they, you know, that's how they actually um, came to, you know, came to take off Facebook, whatever, right? Um, it was by people who were like, they started, maybe they had something there, but they were really, they were good operators. They kept evolving the idea. They kept paying attention. And it took doing that repeatedly to to really get somewhere big. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, I, there's another kind of chicken and egg conundrum when it comes to building uh, a lot of companies, not all, but but a number of them, and especially anything like this, where you need the uh, the users uh, and the like the content creators to yeah. both exist, and it's you know you don't want like no one wants to put content onto a website that no one watches anything on and no one wants to watch a website that no one puts content on. So you have to kind of grow them both simultaneously and from nothing. Uh, how did you work around that issue? Yeah. Uh, so this is, I called it a, a two-sided marketplace and it's a classic chicken and egg problem in business, getting a two-sided marketplace started. Um, you see buyers and sellers, right. Or content creators and viewers in this case. But um, the, um, in our case, we, uh, uh, hit on the idea of making it really easy for people to sync their content. So we were able to go to creators and give them tools so they can make their content available. So when you can approach a creator, when you approach someone generally, not just a creator, and, and, I, and you incredibly give them an offer that's like, well, heads you win, tails nothing happens. <laughs> you want to flip the coin, you know. Mm -hmm. It's the kind of thing, well, I'll just flip the coin, I might get something. You know, so it's like when you were approaching them, it's like they already had some concern about something happening to their content. Cryptocurrency was exciting. So, you know, click the button, your content's safe. You, you'll learn some cryptocurrency. You know, that, that let us get a lot of creators in the door when the viewers weren't there, right? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and uh, at least not to nearly the same degree. Uh, and, um, and then we're that that sort of helped helped get it going. Um, but that's, you know, that's a key that with any of these that are going to take off, whether it's your Twitter alts or whatever, like, how do you get that kernel of energy of people interacting? Because even if you're frustrated by, with Twitter, you open Getter, all right, well, now when I post something on Twitter, I don't know, it gets 100 likes, I post something on Getter, it gets one. You know, your brain just pulls you back, you know. Uh, I've got, I, when I personally, I get to have interaction with a bunch of people, and here, here I don't have them. You know, so you've got to find ways to get that kernel, you know, going. And okay. once you've got that kernel going, you can grow that because uh, people are coming back. There's some excitement there. Even if it's only around one or two creators or only around a certain genre of content or whatever it might be. You've got that. You grow from there. And it's the same thing with movements, actually. But I don't know. I, I've um, got like a bit more time. I don't know if we're if we're how much how long you normally go. Um, uh, usually somewhere between an hour and an hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, whatever you gotta go. So the um, I think it's I think there's a lot for uh, libertarians to learn from startups, right? And I'll even take like like I'll take someone like like Justin Amash. He's like the CEO of Microsoft, like whatever that guy's name is, or, mm -hmm. um, uh, or okay. like in the sense that like, he knows he's a, he's an efficient political operator. He knows how to, he knows how to run. He's been a you know, mainstream guy, uh, mm -hmm. an established guy. That doesn't necessarily mean that he knows how to get a company. You know, the guy, the guy who's the CEO of Microsoft would not necessarily be the right guy to take a company from, five people to 50 people. I'm not saying he'd be bad at it either, right? But they're different, they're different kinds of things. Um, when, you're, when your startup is just or is early in getting traction, when you're getting the early adopters, you're doing things that are different than when you're getting the normies or whatever. I forget the proper term for them in that framework, whatever. <laughs> um, the, uh, they might be called the norm, something close to the norm. But, <laughs> but so like libertarianism is in kind of the same place. And I think mm -hmm. that one of the mistakes I see people make when they talk about liber 
libertarianism, like persuading people to be libertarian, is that like they want to jump right to the kind they've got a product that has very little market share and they want to jump right to how to sell it to like the most normal person. Right. Mm -hmm. but the normal person is not going to join a group that's that unpopular. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Like the normal person, those things might help sell it. But what sells it to the normal person is also then looking around and seeing, oh, and that person has it and, and it does what, you know, but they're never going to buy it. Even mm -hmm. if they're sold, you know, you can present it in the most normal way. They're not going to be good first. The guy, the guy who buys something, who's the one millionth person to buy something or 10 millionth person to buy something like he's just not going to be the second guy to buy something. He's just not. They're different psychologies. They're different people. And, um, and, and same kind of thing with libertarianism, like whatever it might be to succeed, you've got to figure out what moves the needle from where you are to like twice where you are. So if you're mm -hmm. at 2%, how do you get to four or 5%? Like you're not, it's very rare that you're going extremely, extremely rare that you're going to jump from that like to the mainstream and so that's the question that should be asking for a startup perspective like and maybe amash can do that i'm not saying you can't but like the the that those people whoever like and you can look people track to the libertarianism right now for the most part are not that normal they're not the normal <laughs> type person. Because that's not, yeah because that's also because that's not what politics is about we don't just believe things because we're like this policy would be the best and i vote for it no you're joining a tribe you're joining a team you're joining all this affiliated things i mentioned earlier i was saying it's weird that it's actually not that weird that all these things get packed in and so that's like that's what that person has to be signing up for so you've got to make that appealing to someone who's going to go and say well that team has 150 million people on it that team's got 150 million people on it. i want to join the team with 2 million people on it or five million people on it or whatever, right? And so you're you're by definition appealing to people who are like a little who are something more like that early adopter at a startup or something mm -hmm. like this. They're not the the middle of the curve or the late curve adopter. Mm -hmm. Um and, and so I think that's like a uh um an important point to keep in mind. I don't think that leads to some particular answer. I think it does lead to like being more comfortable with experimenting. I will say that. Like we should be comfortable with experimenting. Um because you don't know what works, but I don't think I'm not trying to lead people towards any particular answer. I just think it's a good question to ask. Yeah, uh, I yeah I couldn't agree more. I I think that the the weird conundrum there is kind of like back to what you were saying uh, about like the that group of people that just don't care. Uh, they present as normies most of the time when we see them on the streets, like they look like normies, they act like normies a lot of times, but they're also still kind of our target market. So we have kind of, we have the like almost extremists and then we have the like, don't give a fucks. Yeah. And we're trying to kind of message to both. And I honestly think that the same message appeals to both groups fairly often because um, the people that are turned off by say like a spike Cohen uh, because like, oh no, he does weird things. And like, he had his shirt off in a profile picture once. And then like, you know, did something else where like, the people that are turned off by that probably aren't the early adopters that you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's still able to kind of market to both groups. And, you know, I mean, Dave Smith is pretty good at that too. Uh, there's a number of other people in the party that are good at that. But yeah, I completely agree. We need to find those early adopter mentalities because to help grow the movement first. Uh, so before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to kind of shout out uh, what you're working on in, in Odyssey and Library and how people can better get involved, how maybe some people could help out. Uh, yeah, so uh, you can... Hopefully you're on odyssey.com by now watching this. If you want to use it at the next level, you can go to library.com and, and download the desktop app or download some other ways of doing it there. If you're an engineer, everything we're doing is open source. You can get involved there. We also have an active Discord, an active community. Pretty sure there's thousands of people in there right now. Um, uh, Chat.lbry.org is how you can get in there. Uh, I'm also on the network. If you want to follow me uh, or see any other interviews with me, you can follow me at KAUFFJ on library. Uh, and I'll repost this there as well to my channel. If we have a feature, it's like reposting on Twitter so you can put other content into your channel, into your feed. Um, and uh, I'm also on Twitter personally at my full name, uh, Jeremy Kaufman. Uh, I'm very, uh, so if you're into library, if you want to get involved, we're always looking for you know, smart people to work with. We're always looking for content creators to join the network. So all that stuff, I'm very approachable. 
you can find me uh, you can send me a message and if you're a libertarian and you're interested in new hampshire i also help out with that i always love seeing people come out here we've got some events coming up i talked about the free state crypto in the first weekend of february there's liberty forum the first weekend in march i'll also be at that uh, and you can come out anytime. There's stuff going on all the time. There's a Bitcoin meetup every week. There's meetups every week. So if you ever want to come out, um, check out New Hampshire, um, yeah, shoot me a message and say hi to me while you're out here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I love the the group out there in New Hampshire. Um, I People keep telling me to move there and it's becoming more and more uh, likely as peer, a, peer pressure works that's all it that's really true. does you guys are you guys have convinced reed coverdale like he's considering <laughs> moving back from utah and i'm like all right if reed moves back then maybe yeah. <laughs> he'll be the final like tipping point for me yeah awesome. uh, but jeremy thank you so much for coming on this was great yeah it's great to be on bye David. yeah Guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, we'll be back here next week for uh, the Right for Liberty special. Uh, we also have, I'll be on Angelo for Liberty's show tomorrow, as well as Justin O'Donnell, who we mentioned earlier, is doing a January 6th anniversary stream that I'll be a part of at 8 p.m. So definitely check that out. Uh, we'll catch you back here next time. Until then, keep up the fight. Shut up and sit down.